Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. My name's Molly Wistie, and I'm a chainsaw carver in Minnesota. And today I'm going to have on Simon O'Rourke from Simon O'Rourke Tree Carving. And Simon's actually over in the UK. Simon's going to talk to us about a lot of different things, but one of the main topics is kind of how he gets public commission work or work that's high publicity. Um, So make sure you stay tuned and check out what Simon has to say. All right. Hi, Simon. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really busy at the moment, which is always nice. Yeah. Busy can be good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just have to make sure I manage my time right. It's uh, there's a lot of jobs on at the moment and um, I I need to make sure I uh, leave myself a little gap between each one just so I can prepare for the next. Right. I know I always underestimate too. It always takes me longer than I think. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really easy to do when you're doing any kind of art-based thing because it's always difficult to know when to stop. Right, definitely. Okay, so the first question I was going to ask you is, uh, a lot of people really struggle with taking care of their carving bars. Mm. Do you have any advice or tips for people? Uh, I would just say the um, the main thing is to make sure the saw is oiling right. Uh, having plenty of oil coming out of that bar is is way better than having none. You know, getting a little bit of oil on the carving um, is is nothing in comparison to to losing a bar. So uh, that's that's probably my main bit of advice, really. Um, and run the chain that a little bit slack as as everybody knows they should do, and uh, just make sure the um, uh, that tip isn't overheating. Sure. Yeah, you definitely don't want to see it turning color right away. No. <laughs> no. So. You're known in part for being really excellent at carving the human form. What should carvers do if they want to get better at carving humans or anatomy in general? I would say, first thing I'd say is observation. Uh, it's it's one of these well-known sayings that art is 90% observation, 10% actually doing the artwork. And it's, I think the other the other side of it is actually studying um i've always maintained that uh it's far more important to get the form and proportion right than it is to get the finish so you can have a very highly finished out of proportion carving uh that that isn't going to work right. um in comparison to um uh, actually yeah probably well two of my favorite carvers really scott dow and uh, hikaru kadama you look at some of their work and and actually they they really hammered the form and the proportion and the feel and the pose of the piece when they're doing the human form um and that's what they've been paying attention to and they've not highly polished it but it doesn't need it because it just works as a sculpture sure yeah i know i my art students, um, I tell them to spend a lot of time on the observation part, mm. like you talked about, um, just observing life. And I know not all artists sketch, but you know sometimes it's good just to sit, sit and sketch definitely, things too. Definitely. So. 
Okay, so the next question I have for you, um, you've been able to do some commissioned pieces that are really high public- publicity mm. or like really public. How do you find those opportunities? They, they come along in various ways. I think I've, I've put myself out there, I suppose, among the right circles. And I was thinking about this the other day, and I think one of the things that um, I think has made a difference is actually um, portraying myself as a as a proper business, and it's very difficult to get the balance between being an artist and and running a business. But um, portraying myself as a proper mm-hmm. business, a, a, a real business that that kind of puts everything it should in place with risk assessments, method statements, having that side of it, and also having the um, uh, the almost it's almost it sounds crass to be a brand when you're an artist but sometimes that's the only way people understand it if it's Mm -hmm. local authorities or councils or people in authority when they're looking to hire somebody in to do a job what they want to know is they want to know you're reliable they want to know that you have your affairs in order they want to know that you can deal with uh, communication on a business-like level and and I think that's probably one of the things that has made a lot of difference to me. Yeah and I know like when you mentioned brand one one cool thing right now with with the internet and how much access mm. we have we're able to portray ourselves publicly however yeah. we want you know like what we put out there is is going to be our brand and going to be yeah. our image and we can create that. Yeah, absolutely. I know something here in the States, I'm not sure uh, what it's like where you are, but we have a lot of um, kind of like regional, I'm trying to think what to call them, but like uh, regional arts councils okay. and stuff that, have like available grants or they'll put out um, they'll put out calls for artists to work on a project. And I know typically chainsaw carvers don't always get connected with those regional arts no. councils. Um, some do, but there's a lot of opportunity there kind of in the art world. If carvers can get hooked up with that information. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, I think that's, um, it's partly being tenacious and actually going after looking for those things and looking for those opportunities. And then as well, it's, it's actually, um, uh, again, going back to kind of portraying yourself in, in the right way to be, to be looked at in the right way. Um, and it's, it's not about not being true to who you are, but it's, it's actually, understanding where people are coming from and understanding um, how they look at the world. So uh, people who are on arts councils are going to be confronted with huge variety of different art forms. And you have to kind of understand Mm -hmm. where they're coming from and what they might be looking for. Um, So I I think that that's probably um, got a lot to do with it. But there are opportunities out there. 
Right. And like you said, you don't have to change who you are, but you can just play up on certain parts yeah. of what you do that they'll key in on yeah. and, and be interested and in. I, yeah. uh, I've just been, um, I do a lot of uh, business networking groups and things like that. And I, um, I, I network with um, uh, people who are running all sorts of businesses. And there's a, there's a group that I'm in at the moment. And what I've actually been focusing what I've been asking for, um, I haven't just been saying things like, oh, yeah, uh, I just want to know anybody who wants a carving, that's what to look for. I've actually been saying, listen, I my, my thing is the human form. I love carving the human form. And what I really enjoy doing is uh, taking historical figures and, and recreating historical figures. And I've... I've actually kind of been really uh, hammering, asking for connections into large estates, historical houses, and places that would benefit from having um, something from the history brought to life with a, a sculpture. So, and actually, that's started to really pay off. I've had quite a number of different leads, and I've got I've got um, a meeting with a, a guy who owns several large estates. Uh, this Friday, well, tomorrow actually, and um, uh, so I could be talking to him about how I can um, yeah. take historical aspects of of those estates and actually recreate them in wood and bring a part of that to life. Oh, cool! That's exciting. And I know, like you said, when you talked about tenacity, um, I know I personally, and I know other artists too. It's it's almost like being an author when you send your book and it's rejected, and you send your book and it's rejected. Yeah. Like a, a lot of times when you start asking, you get a lot of no's. Yeah. But after a while, you get some yeses, and then you've got some more, um, you know, bigger commission pieces out there, and it kind of starts to build. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's not as you, as you say. It, don't back down. You know, don't don't kind of go and hide in a corner when you get that no and or any kind of rejection. It's just about going. Okay, right. Somebody's going to want it. Somebody's going to yeah latch onto my idea. Uh, let's try again. Right. Mm. So you have a partnership with Steel. Mm. Um, what is that like, or how does that work? Well, it was. Um, <sighs> It was something that developed. I, I did a demo for them um, May last year, and uh, it's um, and it was just a, a simple demo. And and I've uh, over the years I've asked a few different companies about sponsorship and uh, tried to speak to the right person, and because it's quite often very difficult getting to the right people in um, larger businesses mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, I'd asked Makita and uh, I tried to find the right person in Husqvarna as well. And and uh, it, it was I actually did this demo for Still, and I've always I've always liked their gear. I mean, it's they they've got a fairly good range right across the board. Um, some of the other ones, uh, you get decent big saws and not so decent little saws. And um, but yeah, I. I did this demo for them and I got to know the product manager and I got on really well with him and, and I said to him, look, you know, what's the deal? Is there any chance of sponsorship of any kind? And he said, well, we'll, we'll talk by email. And um, he said, send 
send me some images, send me a bit of a kind of a briefly sort of a brief bio about yourself and things like that. And mm-hmm. what I did mm-hmm. was I went away and I, I got some statistics. I, I sent them uh, an email detailing some of the public work I've been doing, some of the clients that I've done work for, some of the larger public things I will be doing in the future, um, and also some stats about my social media, um, the hits my website's getting, how many followers I've got on Facebook, uh, little things like that, um, and and mm-hmm. kind of tried to build up a picture that made me an attractive prospect to them because they they're not only going to be looking at my artwork, they're going to be looking at the business side of it and okay, what publicity are they going to gain from this? Cause it's a two way thing. Um, and, uh, and they, um, they took a little while and then they came back to me and said, uh, Hey, look, you know, we'd like to work with you. Um, we think you, you're portraying the brand in the right way. Um, so here's a contract, uh, read over it, tell us what you think. And it it was too good to say no to. <laughs> right. Um, they, uh, right. You know, it was, it was um, a budget to spend on chainsaws and um, uh, clothing supplied, the chainsaw trousers and boots and jackets and all the rest of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, a two-year partnership deal. So um, that's going to be up this August. Um, so, but I'm in constant communication with them, and I'm talking about various things that we can do together, or or what they could be involved in, and um, it's uh, I've developed quite a good working relationship with them. Okay, that sounds cool. I know um, I was really impressed when I went down to Australia for the Chainsaw Carving Championships with Steel Australia was yeah, phenomenal at sponsoring, supporting, you know, being helpful um, with, within the chainsaw carving world. And yeah. that was pretty impressive. So I don't, I don't know it's, if steel is like that in every country, but it's definitely on it in Australia. Yeah, I think um, Australia seems to be uh, more like that than any other country. Um, I think with... Uh, with still GB, they they're absolutely brilliant, but it's it's quite. I think carving as an industry is quite young still in the UK, and mm-hmm. it's something that I I'm I'm aware that they've been very careful about really pushing into, but they're they're one of the only ones sort of actually marketing a carving bar that's branded. You know, and mm-hmm. um, and that that's quite a, a kind of step. And they've developed the the RMS chain, which has got the shortened heel on the cutter already, so that it goes around um, a dime tip and a quarter tip um, without needing to grind the heels off the cutters. And and that's that's something. I mean, that says to me that they're investing in carving as an industry, and them taking me on as a um, in in this partnership i think that's that's really sort of cemented that you know commitment to carving um 
and I think that's really that's really shown people that um, I think they've done done a really good thing in that. I mean, not just saying that because because I'm benefiting, but I think it's a really good thing for the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely cool to see steel working with carvers. Mm. So another question I was going to ask you. Over here, at least, there seems to be a divide between traditionally accepted forms of art um, and chainsaw carving. Is it that way where you are? Um, and do you see a way to bridge that divide? Uh, yes, I think there's always been a little bit of a stigma um, uh, attached to chainsaw art. I think uh, even though the, there are some... There are some mainstream artists, uh, very highly thought of mainstream artists that are using chainsaws. I mean, he, um, David Nash, for instance, is is a prolific artist in the UK, and um, he's uh, it's not figurative; it's all abstract work. Um, but he's been using a chainsaw mm-hmm. to produce his artwork since the seventies. And um, that's okay. that's that's quite something. But I think with uh, when people started doing figurative art with chainsaws, <clears throat> um, I think things were uh, because of the the limitations on the bars and the chains and things like that. Quite a lot of the art produced um, was looked quite crude and rustic, and I think. Um, mm-hmm. people, uh, people have this thing that there's there's a a massive divide between art and craft, and and when people start to see something as a craft, I don't think the the art world pay much attention to it, even though there's 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 some work that would be considered craft that's actually you know highly highly skilled, um. And mm-hmm. it's very, very. And I, I've been, I suppose, having an art background in the first place uh, did give me a, a great head start into uh, figurative work when sculpting. So I was, um, you know, I've I already had that art background, I already had that drawing background, and know a lot of the guys getting into chainsaw art are getting into it from tree surgery or forestry and i think um sometimes it's quite difficult to coming from that perspective i think it would be quite difficult to then teach yourself the art side of it um and the uh understanding form and proportion and understanding um the way things fit together and, and for instance, when you when you're carving a bear, we all know kind of your basic square bears. They they obviously they're they're a nice little item, but they don't look like a realistic bear. And the reason for that is you're not paying attention to actually. Okay, what's the skeleton doing? What are the, what's the muscle structure underneath the fur doing? And you really see it when uh, taking mm-hmm. a bear, for instance, because obviously it's a it's a <laughs> a very very um you know uh it's it's probably the it's the equivalent of owls in the uk um i've lost count of the amount of owls i've carved <laughs> but um the uh, 
um, when you're looking at a bear, <laughs> it's like you can see immediately the people who stand out, who understand how the bear moves. They understand uh, where the muscle structure is, when it's bending down, what happens to the spine, what shape is that spine, and, and little things like that make a huge difference. Um, but sort of I'm digressing really, going back to into uh, the the bridge between the art world and chainsaw carving as we know it, I, I think it's, it's, it's difficult to say really. Um, but I think it's, it's probably partly to do with mindset and probably partly to do with who you know and who you talk to and the kind of work you're producing. Um, and even though I hate kind of, I hate to say this, but it's how you describe your work and how you put yourself across as well that actually makes a difference. Um, and even though it should only be the artwork, um, I think it really is the story behind it, um, the thought that's gone into it and the concept behind it as well that makes a difference in being accepted in the art world as such. Yeah, I know in the art world, there's often you know a statement that goes with, with the work that's in a gallery. Um, yeah. So I can see being able to have that statement or that story that goes along with it would make yeah. it maybe seem more legitimate to them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I've had, <laughs> I, I hear so many people uh, talking about what art is and what art isn't. And it, it's one of the things that really winds me up, to be honest, because um, for me, um, my, my kind of... I don't know whether it's the the actual explanation of it, but but for me, art is simply visual communication, and uh, we all speak different languages. And if if somebody's communicating with you in French and you don't speak French, you're not going to understand that. And if somebody is communicating with an art form that you don't understand, it doesn't automatically make it uh, not art. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, for me, that's one of the, the ways that I always try and explain it because I get people coming up to me saying, oh, love what you're doing. No, no, that's art. This abstract rubbish is, <laughs> you know, and and I think that that's, that's one of the things that you have to understand about the art world is that there's such a variety of different uh, expressions in art um, of different types of, of artwork that uh, again it's about understanding the people who are looking at that and and going okay can I put something across in a way that actually speaks to that group of people or that group of people or that group of people rather than just um, you know rather than just thinking about what I want to do um, how I want to communicate to myself, if you like, um, and that, that's that's another perhaps an avenue that that, uh, that may actually kind of bridge that gap uh, is actually going well. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to speak in a different language. I'm gonna attempt to do a piece of artwork that that might speak to a different group of people. 
Right. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of times artists talk about considering their audience, you know, mm-hmm. considering where the piece is going to end up and who's going to view it and how they're going to view it. Yeah, yeah it's, I, I agree with that. Another question is, actually, that's all my questions. <laughs> is is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? Uh, no, I can't think of anything at all right now. No, that's fine. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I gave you an opportunity in case I didn't didn't cover everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, Simon, it's been really great having you on. I appreciate you staying up late because of our time difference here, and this worked out well. Right, no problem. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great speaking to you as well, and uh, hopefully uh, it'll be helpful for a, a number of different people. Yeah, I, I love being able to do this, especially for, you know, carvers that are secluded and don't get to hang out with other carvers or travel and, you know, get to the events, then they can hear, hear from other yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm always willing to answer emails as well. I, I get a lot of people emailing me with questions and, and things, but uh, I'm always sure. happy to share knowledge. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. We also have six other episodes, so be sure and check those out wherever you listen. And if you like the podcast, please be sure to rate it and share it with your friends so we can get the word out there. Uh, I really like making this podcast so that carvers who are secluded or aren't able to travel and get to events can feel more connected to the chainsaw carving world and get tips and tricks. Um, If you have any ideas for topics or people that I should have on, you can go ahead and email me at wistywoodworks at gmail.com. See you next time.